Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. Today, we are in Statesville, North Carolina, here at Front Row Motorsports, where I'm sitting down with Jerry Freeze, who is, is general manager. General manager, yes, sir. General manager of Front Row, and you've been here since 2009? 2009, yep. Okay, and you were just telling me as we got a tour of the shop here, that's how long the team has been here as well. Yeah, you know, uh, I guess uh, Bob and I kind of dispute it sometimes when Front Row really started, but, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I guess I always think about it as 2009. In reality, it started in 2004, and Bob uh, uh, took off in an endeavor uh, – uh, working with Jimmy Means a little bit and who'd been a journeyman driver for years in the sport and uh, tried to help Jimmy out, uh, find some sponsorship, got involved with his team as a partner, um, then kind of broke off on his own to start Front Row Motorsports, I think in 2005 and, and uh, raced, uh, kind of dabbled in Xfinity and uh, Cup Series as well, and but really got I feel like serious and racing full time in the Cup Series in 2009. Bob, of course, is the owner of the team, Bob Jenkins. Yeah. And Bob Jenkins. No, no, yeah. that's okay. And, and he is not based in the Charlotte area, right? He's not. He's okay. uh, his company's in Morristown, Tennessee, which is uh, kind of equal distance between Bristol and Knoxville. And uh, uh, he's a pretty busy guy. Owns a, a company called Charter Foods, which uh, primarily owns a lot of Taco Bells, and owns a trucking company called MDS uh, Transport. And uh, kind of involved in a few other things in that area and and uh so he stays uh tennessee based uh we see him you know quite often we see him at the racetrack all the time and and then he'll pop in in the shop uh once a month or so and see what's going on okay check in on how you're spending his money yeah exactly (laughs) jerry is tasked with pretty much running everything here at front row for bob while he's away from the shop and i would say you're doing a pretty good job of it so far this year. You've got the number 38 of David Reagan, number 34 of Michael McDowell, and both of them are off to, to pretty solid starts here in 2018. Uh, they are. They are. Uh, Bob would say I'm doing an outstanding job of spending his money right now, <laughs> which is very true. And uh, uh, But, yeah, so it's uh, it's kind of cool to see the speed in the cars, though. you know. And when you can see them running better on the track, it's it's worth it. And, uh, uh, you know, we've uh, – We've we've embarked on uh, kind of a new frontier this year with Front Row, really trying to pick up the performance. Um, we've had uh, some additional support from Ford Performance, and and uh, they've kind of helped us to get to the place where we need to be with the engine program. Uh, helped us to further along our alliance with Roush Fenway, that I, I feel like is is adding benefit to the product we build here at Front Row Motorsports, and then also take to the racetrack. And so. Uh, and it's just been cool to see it show up on the racetrack with some better qualifying runs, better, uh, uh, I think, uh, speed in the races. 
you know, the end results haven't always been exactly, you know, where I feel like the car's been racing. But, um, you know, speed-wise, we're, I, I think, better than we've ever been at Front Row Motorsports. And you said that you guys are taking a new approach to trying to be more competitive. Is that just, is it spending more money or is it just? Uh, it's definitely yeah. spending more money, without a doubt. <laughs> more um, Bob's money, okay. Yeah, you know, Bob's, Bob's in this uh, n- not just to be a participant. I mean, he wants to be a winning team, a team that can be a chase contender, uh, maybe a championship contender someday. I mean, we got a long ways to go to get there, but I think the days of just, just being out there are, are over for him. And, huh. and so the last few years, you know, we, we sit down and scratch our heads, you know, what do we got to do to get better? And, and uh, you know, embarking on the alliance with Roush a few years ago was kind of the first step, kind of using them as our, our technical arm, so to speak, of how to build our race cars, kind of having an ally at the racetrack to share information with in a little brother, big brother kind of format. And we wanted to evolve that and become more. And, and we weren't always necessarily taking the same product to the racetrack as they were. So it was kind of hard to even gauge ourselves against them if we didn't have the current spec car or we didn't have the top tier engine in the car or whatever. So, uh, you know, so we, we just sat here last year and just said, you know, if, if we're going to keep doing this, you know, that it's just we got to do it right. And uh, um, we, we uh, talked to the people at Ford about it. Um, They're real supportive about trying to help with front roads, kind of challenge us. What can we do to help you guys? Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, RPM leaving the camp, I think, didn't hurt us at all because, you know, there's one less Ford team. So I think they wanted to make sure that our Ford team was was stronger. So. Uh, they could they could kind of help in their own ways with support and uh, anyways I, I think it's just helped us take a better product to the racetrack and and the guys at Ford Mark Rushbrook, Parasac and those guys I mean they, they they really stepped up for us last fall and in concert with Roush Fenway and and dealing with uh, uh, their leadership over there Tommy Wheeler and and uh, Kevin Kidd in particular and Steve Newmark uh, uh, they've really helped us evolve our product so that we're taking something that's more competitive to the racetrack and and I don't want to shortchange also bringing Michael McDowell to the team. He's he's brought a real energy to our team that, in no disrespect to anybody that works here now or in the past, uh, you know, that we just haven't had in some respects, you know. And, and so it's been refreshing kind of having him. Him and David kind of had a built-in relationship coming in, and that's helped a lot. So, you know, I, I, I think it, we're really set up for a pretty good year at Front Row. Yeah, you were just telling me out there on the, the tour of the shop floor, Jerry, that Michael McDowell – in his first year at Front Row and comes from uh, a Levine family racing where he'd mm-hmm. been for a few years. Before that, he was at Michael Waltrip. Obviously, he's driven for some other manufacturers, knows, I would think, a little bit about Chevy and Toyota. And you were saying that he's asked some guys in, on the team here, hey, why are we doing it this way? And the answer is, well, we just we always did it that way. And Michael said, well, maybe this may, way might be a better way of doing it, and it's it's having an impact. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and that's I think it's kind of in various things, you know, whether it's driving a simulator for Ford, whether it's uh, going around the track at Atlanta and, and having a feel with the car that just doesn't feel natural to him and, and asking, you know, well, why, why is it that – and getting more engaged and more involved. I mean, he really understands the cars, and, and, uh, and David does too. And, and uh, so, you know, I think we, we kind of tell them how they're set up, why they're built this way, and, and uh, you know, and it's not that – I think that he thinks we're doing it wrong, but – he, he's kind of gotten everybody looking at things a little more open-mindedly and you know and we're okay with trying something a little bit different you know that that maybe he's been accustomed to just to see if there's some speed there and and uh but yeah having him uh that uh, kind of it's been involved with another group uh, uh for so long and he's done a lot of testing for um, some other entities too so uh he, he does bring a lot of knowledge to the table so uh 
Um, you know, and we, we kind of knew that going in. Uh, the biggest reason we hired him was we we're just tired of him outrunning us everywhere. You know? And, <laughs> and, uh, and he's, a, he's a pretty uh, determined guy on the racetrack. And I told him after we hired him, I said, you know, the one thing I'm, gonna, I'm really glad about next year is I'm only going to see you push one of our cars around the racetrack so, uh, <laughs> instead of two. And I want to go back to what you said, Jerry, about the Ford piece of this, that there, are, there is strength in numbers. Certainly, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, RPM leaving to go to Chevrolet. I don't know how much you can tell me, but uh, when they step up their performance, is is it is it a little bit cash? Is it a little bit technical support? Is it wind tunnel time, simulator, all of the above? Yeah, it's really all of that, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know, you know, without getting too much into it, 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 it it's not so much just writing a check and telling us to go spend it anywhere mm-hmm. you want. It was it was basically all right. Let's come up with a game plan on how front row can have better cars, better engines, better drivetrains than our race cars, and uh, and so. You know, we identified, you know, this is where we're at, this is where we'd like to be, and then, all right, how can we get there? And and then sitting down and talking with Tommy Wheeler and Kevin over at Roush of, you know, well, could you do this for us? Well, what if you did this? What if we do this and you do that? And and uh, so anyways, we kind of came up with a plan, sat down with Ford. Um, they uh, checked all the boxes, said, yeah, we can do this, all this stuff for you guys. And, and uh, you know, we came up with a plan that we thought could help elevate front row to be a more competitive race team and uh you know and it's it's not that anything that we've just gone and basically just shut down our shop and we're just buying everything from roush i mean we are we're in an alliance and we buy a lot of manufactured parts from roush but we still build our own race cars and and so we want to get to a point that we could build a better race car here Mm -hmm. and we might need some help in some other areas from you guys to uh, enable us to build a better race car so that we're not maybe so maxed out stretched out trying to do all things over here so uh um you know we've got a, a relatively small group by by uh, uh uh by this series standards and um we're in a twenty-eight thousand square foot shop with about 65 employees and and racing two cars full-time around here and and uh, that includes business folk and everybody else so uh, uh so it's it's a lot to, to right. think you're going to take on the the penskis and gibbs and and uh, big big teams out there and, and try to beat them on a consistent basis. But yet the refrain I've been hearing, Jerry, since last year especially, is that Furniture Row model, which mm-hmm. is now, they're again a one-car team now, but essentially they were a two-car team last year, but really they didn't have the size. I mean, I would think they probably wouldn't be too much bigger than, than where you guys mm-hmm. are. That they can win the championship by having a really strong alliance with Joe Gibbs Racing. Is that something you guys look at as, as maybe motivation, knowing that, hey, there, there's a team that is sort of similar to our model, and maybe we can we can match that success? I, I'd say so in some respects, you know, especially when we embarked on the alliance, we kind of looked at those guys, and this goes back about three years ago, that, uh, you know, it wasn't that long ago in the point standings, you could look at furniture row cars right there with the front row car. We were on the racetrack, just right there running around with them, and and I think at that point they had moved into an alliance with Childress, kind of moved forward with Kurt Busch. I don't remember the whole driver lineup and everything then, but um, they kind of took the steps. I, I feel like three years ago that maybe we took this year and, hmm. and or started to embark to that. Hey, we need to get in a in an alliance situation. We need to improve our product and and we need some help to uh, take our product to the next step. Um, you know, I, I think now you know, I, and I can't speak for them. Uh, you know, I, I think they've they've still got a pretty big investment in what they do with their product in Colorado. They're not just taking the Gibbs product and, uh, exactly as is, but no. um, uh, <laughs> you know, so I think they're doing things maybe a little bit different. And sure. uh, our goal is to try to replicate Roush Fenway's product as close as we can and try to have that strength in numbers and make their two car team a four car team. And 
the last few years, you know, that's that's been the stated goal, but honestly, we haven't really been there, and we've been maybe 80% of what they were, if that, and, uh, you know, and this year, I feel like we're, if not 100, you know, 98, or whatever little secrets they might be holding back, that might be the only thing, but... Um, we're way, way closer this year as far as that goes. And that's interesting because I, I think you're right. I think the furniture row model works really well for them because you hear that they take what Gibbs gives them and then they do other things to them. They optimize them. Mm-hmm. And obviously those cars, ba- just based on results, furniture row versus Gibbs, same chassis, same engines, but different results at, at various times last year. And it sounds as if what you're saying, Jerry, is you want to be that extension of Roush Fenway, that you want your cars to, to mimic theirs to the, the nth degree when those chassis arrive. You were just telling me that pretty much matching exactly what they have at their shop. Tell me how you make that work. Like, How, how do you go from being 80% similar to almost 100? Is it just, hey, we're going to make a concerted effort that whatever they do, we're going to do it exactly the way Roush Fenway does it? That, that's that's it. You know, um, yeah. give you an example. Let's say... Uh, uh, they would make a, uh, a, a chassis change in a car, and it's going to require not just changing the chassis, but it's going to require changing a lot of the suspension components on the car. Well, we might kind of look at our budget and realize, ooh, that's a pretty big undertaking to do that for uh, the 12 downforce cars we have. So why don't we do it with six, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then we'll run l- the last version with the other six cars, and and maybe it's going to be better on the downforce track than the short track, and you know we'll schedule the cars that way. So, you know, we were always kind of compromising our guys at the racetrack, and and, and compromising the relationship of, of having a true alliance at the track. So, uh, uh, so that, that's kind of what I'm talking to. This year we're starting here, man. We are on the same page with those guys, 100%. Yeah. So everywhere we go, Phoenix, Atlanta. Vegas, California. So there's no half and half. There's no, these six cars are exact and these no. six cars are kind of like, they're all the no. same. Yeah. No. And that was, that was our big challenge. Uh, and I shared it to you when we were walking through the shop uh, this year, uh, I think they hadn't really totally defined what that, the front end of the car was going to be uh, until the first part of this year. So we were sitting here with no front ends on race cars, hanging bodies on them, and they were incomplete race cars because we didn't want to just for our production means just have a bunch of cars built just because we couldn't get them done. So it, it required a lot of late hours from our staff, wait on them to determine, all right, what is the most optimized setup or uh, package we can take into this season? And I'm with them. I, I would wait till the very end, too, to, to get all the data you can and make that call. Um, you know, they're, they're, uh, this is the challenge of trying to do what we do. They're, they've got a lot deeper bench back at the shop sure. to execute yeah. and get all those cars done for us. You know, had to get a, a lot more work done with a lot less people. But, um, but again, because of the way we've kind of set things up on in and around our program with them, that's what enabled us to get there. We wouldn't have been able to do it without uh, the, the kind of program that we've got set up this year. And uh, so, you know, I, I give those guys a lot of credit and Ford for helping us get there. And, and Bob, too. I mean, Bob had to really swallow hard with some of the expense that was that we didn't have backed up with additional sponsorship and because that's coming right out of his pocket it's coming right right out of his pocket <laughs> yeah. yeah you know if we don't find the sponsorship to sell it you know yeah. so obviously we're we're working hard to uh to try to uh, bridge that delta as much <laughs> as we can yeah. uh but uh you know I, i'd like to ambitiously feel like we can throughout the year but um you know reality is we won't and uh uh, you know, and that's been Bob's kind of pledge over the years. You know, he kind of has a, a threshold of pain, I guess, he's willing to look at. And we talk about, you know, what, how fast or how, what, how many more improvements we can make for uh, this amount of budget into our race team. And, and ultimately, it's his call. And, 
the thing I admire about him the most, and I think really speaks to how passionate and true he is as a racer, is you know no matter where we're at sponsorship-wise, his contribution never resets because of that. He's looking at you know okay, well we got that much more, and with my part, we might be able to go buy that Roma armor. We might be able to go do this, and and uh, you know and challenges us to think uh, you know what what can we do to make that car go faster. So. Uh, you know, and I, I really respect that. You know, um, I, I, I came from, I've worked for Bob for 10 years. I was in a great space where I worked for the Petties for 12 years before that. And I worked for guys that, you know, they lived out of racing. So there wasn't some big contribution coming from somebody else to make up the difference. So, right. um, you know, we had to always manage it and within whatever sponsorship was. And some years were better than other years. And, and uh, so you tried to go as fast as you could with what you had. <laughs> and, and in this case, you know, if, if we didn't have Bob's support with Front Row and, and trying to grow Front Row, absolutely zero way we could ever have a product on the track that's anywhere close to what we have right now. Yeah, it puts his money where his mouth it is. It really does. And uh, just to maybe frame it in real world terms a little bit in terms of those time frame constraints from Roush, I, I would presume that one of the things you're talking about is when you have the Las Vegas test two weeks before the beginning mm-hmm. of the season and Roush goes out there with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and then comes back and spends a few days absorbing what they learned and then say, we're going to do this, this, and this then you guys have to react to that. And mm-hmm. I would presume that that's kind of what you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's the challenge. And that's, that's the challenge of trying to keep up with their spec. So without, again, some of that additional support we couldn't do it. Um, not mm-hmm. with the staff we got and the space we got. And, and, uh, uh, so, you know, it's not the, 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 the optimal way, but, you know, I think we've, We've all figured out a way to try to get try to get front row there. Now it's up to us to execute and see if we do we can put the speed out on the racetrack and step up performance and and have some better days out there. And really been encouraging. You know, I was I was just so afraid we you know Daytona's Daytona, but I was afraid we we get to these first three or four races because we had been just kind of you know, th- I won't say throwing the cars together, but almost throwing the cars together because a lot of stuff was coming in real late and. Uh, you know, you really didn't have the time to really sit there and have it on the plate for a day or two and go through various setups, you know. And But to be able to uh, kind of put things together in the time frame we did and show up and have, you know, reasonably good speed off the truck. And, and last week we had two cars make it to the second round in qualifying, which, you know, I don't know that we've ever done that before. You huh. know, qualifying has always been our Achilles heel. And, you know, Michael was in the second round at Atlanta too. So uh, <laughs> those are just really, really good signs to me. And I feel like once – you know, we get past this hurdle of the West Coast races, and the race season becomes a little more routine for us after that, and we will have more time to take and really massage on these cars and really work through multiple setups and give the crew chiefs a good game plan when they show up. I just feel like we'll just be in that much better shape. But it was really just leap of faith this year until you made the first few laps at Atlanta with Michael and David. You didn't know if you'd be that yeah, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we really didn't. That's, you know, are we wow. still going to be – you know, this 30th place race team out there or, or what, are we still going to qualify 30th and 31st, you know, and, you know, you can't get too high, you can't get too low. And I'm trying not to get too high. We, we had a, a initial look at this package at the Homestead race last year. You know, we took, mm-hmm. we had the most current spec car. We had the best engine we could get out of Roush uh, Yates and uh, had the best drivetrain package that our, our drivetrain provider could provide. David ran really good the whole and, and we had a terrible practice and we still ran really good in the race and Landon ran pretty good too and kind of stepped back from that and thought you know even with doing some stuff that was really almost self-inflicted in practice that kind of hurt us and got us off our game 
we were still able to rebound and have a pretty solid race and finish 17th in the race. And with another product down the track, I, I don't think that would have happened. I think we would have been 28th or something. So we had a good feeling that this was going to be a good direction to go in this year. And it's crazy to sit here and think, you know, hey, well, you're 17th in qualifying or you're 15th or whatever, and you're beating your chest that everything's great. But it's a hard, hard deal to compete yeah. against those guys. Yeah. And you, you're beating some really good cars when you do that. So, you know, we got to take some pride in that and, and have some belief in what we're doing is the right thing but you know don't lose our focus and just keep working hard and, and just try to get it better well it certainly comes jerry from spending that extra money because money by speed i mean money that, by that speed, adage is true yeah. <laughs> in nascar and all forms of racing and you mentioned the part about beating your chest i want to talk to you a little bit about the money and about the sponsorship this is one of the reasons i've, I've interviewed you many times not just but before NBC, but when I was at USA Today, for stories about how small teams exist and, and how they convince sponsors to get involved. And I can remember when Chris Buescher won for you guys at Pocono in 2016, I interviewed you then, and you were saying that it was kind of this tricky thing for you guys because you needed to sort of bump your chest out and say, hey, we've won at Pocono, we've won at Talladega in 2013 with David Reagan. We need to like convince sponsors that there's a huge value proposition here, but at the same time, you can't just say, well, tomorrow we're going to be running with Hendrick Motorsports <laughs> yeah. and Team Penske and, yeah. and Joe Gibbs Racing. What's that been like? I know part of your job is what you just talked about is running the competition side, but the other part, obviously a huge part, I think, is finding the money. Is the business side, for sure, for sure. Therein lies is a, uh, a huge challenge, and, uh, and that's the case for every, every race team. Probably anybody in uh, sports marketing, really, is, uh, is, is coming up with that compelling business proposition for somebody to invest in their product. And I've got to have a good business reason, you know? And, and I think that's the thing that has really evolved in my time of doing this. Uh, it's no longer just how many eyeballs are you going to get to see that, prod, that car going around the track. And, and I think in some ways it's helped us a little bit that, you know, because our car is not necessarily on TV all the time. And I, I think in some marketers that I talk to, they, they kind of discount the impressions that you're getting out there on the racetrack. Mm -hmm. You know, they just want to know the business side. What's the angle here? What? How much of my product is your other partner going to buy? Yeah. Or, or what am I going to get? Owner? What's yeah. What's the specific yeah. return? Yeah. yeah. So we've tried to really focus on companies that might be relatable in whether it's Bob's business interest, whether it's our other sponsors' business interest, and and just try to come up with a good business angle that also includes these race car entitlements and all these eyeballs that are still watching NASCAR races on a weekly weekly basis. So, um, you know, it's we've kind of gotten out of trying to compete against the bigger teams for sponsorship and just say, well, we'll give it to you cheaper than the other guy. Well, you know, okay, you're always going to be the cheapest guy. You know, right. you're, you're just on the spinning right. wheel. You're never going to get anywhere. So uh, winning a couple of races, you know, we were very fortunate in both those races to win. Um, but we won them, you know, we won two races. And so I think in a way it does legitimize us that sets us apart from, you know, some of those other maybe mid-pack teams that haven't tasted victory lane yet. We're creating our whole offering or our, our proposition of why to be with Front Row Motorsports. It is a, a team that's been capable of winning in the past who will do a good job representing you on the racetrack and give you an experience at the racetrack to, to match anybody else in the garage area. And, and, uh, and, and we try to focus on that experience part for the partner at the track and as well as the business side of whatever we've got to offer and and uh, we feel like you know we're we're offering in, in some respects the same as everybody else there you know yeah we're not going to have as many people seeing our car during the race broadcast as they are uh, Kevin Harvick's car or something like that mm -hmm. so you don't even try to go down that road and you know, just looking at the at the the, the business reasons that's that's really what piques interest more than anything I mean it's really the 
the, the, the only way to start a conversation in some regards. And, uh, um, and then once you get them to experience it, then, you know, and if, if experience part is really important to them, then I feel like we've got an opportunity there. So, um, uh, so we, we just try to focus on those things. I think one of the, the best examples of this, Jerry, is the one everybody points to is Penske's relationship with uh, Shell Pennzoil. Right. Obviously, the, the huge key to that is the reason they spend millions upon millions to be on Joey Logano's car is they know that Roger Penske's dealerships are going to put mm-hmm. their product in in their cars and it pretty much pays for itself before the year even begins. Are, are there parallels to that? on a smaller level, like with what Bob can bring, I know he's very involved in the fast food industry. Is that how you guys go and pitch some sponsors? Are there smaller business to business deals where you say, Hey, come sponsor the car and we can guarantee that like these companies affiliated with Bob or whoever will spend this amount of money with you? Or? Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. Um, you know, Bob's, uh, you know, obviously got the restaurant business. He's building stores all the time or remodeling stores all the time. So there's a, a lot of construction need there. So we've had opportunity around that. Um, you know, the, the textbook example we have um, is with Love's Travel Stops. Uh, Bob owns a trucking company with about 300 over-the-road trucks on the road. So uh, uh, they got to get fuel somewhere. So uh, <laughs> There's only uh, one place they're getting it. There's only one place the they're getting it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so that's, that's kind of how the Love's Travel Stop deal started huh. for us. And, okay. uh and Loves has not really been involved, other than with the Oklahoma City Thunder locally, hadn't really been involved in sports marketing at all, and to my knowledge, still not outside of uh, NASCAR. And But they got a taste of uh, being with us in 2013, did uh, two races, I believe, and the experience was really impactful for their customers there at the track. So they thought, hmm, maybe this isn't such a bad deal after all, and, and, uh, and so signed up for a few more races, a few more races, and now they do a half a season with us on the 34 car. So, uh, um, and then actually uh, have just acquired another brand, Speedco, that's on the 38 car, uh, been on the car a couple races this year, that's uh, a uh, oil change uh, big truck service center uh, nationwide. So, uh, um, so anyways, they've been a fantastic partner for us, great to work with, so much fun at the racetrack. Um, always have a entertaining crowd, and it really, that's that's our example. Maybe mm-hmm. a, a slightly smaller scale than the Shell Penzoil Penske deal, but yeah. that's kind of an example of what we do. That's certainly a good one. And I've heard that you know you were mentioning it. You, you like over delivering for your sponsors. Like if they if the contract says we're going to provide X, you want to provide a little bit more than than X. Is, is there a good example of that? Like where you feel like you've, and, and I guess like you know what would those contracts look like what would the agreement say about like what you need to to deliver to meet uh i guess the the stipulations of the sponsorship yeah 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 Yeah. you know i mean i don't know i i don't uh i certainly can't speak to what other contracts might have but um i think maybe the best example could be uh in, in no one particular example but uh you know i've heard this time and time again from folks that have come to the racetrack if they're on love's behalf or with CSX or whatever, and maybe they got invited to come on with another sponsor somewhere, you know, and they got the same experience somewhere else. Well, their experience there was they got a pit tour. They got five minutes with the driver outside of his motor coach. And he was, you know, just doing the obligatory, uh, signing some autographs real quick, take a few pictures and zooming back in the motor coach with us. You know, I mean, we're really trying to give them a, a great experience at the track and get them up on the pit box. We, you know, might have a suite, might have a motor coach. Uh, you know, they're, they're getting quality time with the driver. And you got to get your drivers to buy into it, too. You got to have drivers that are, 
really get the whole picture. And, That'll and, go above and, and beyond. And we've been super yeah. fortunate over the years with, with Reagan is fantastic. Dave, uh, Michael's really good, too. But, you know, Landon was great. David Gillen was great. The guys we've had have, have really got it. And, uh, and so they've gone above and beyond. And David Reagan goes above and beyond to, to all uh, measure, you know, inviting – fans that sent him fan letters from <laughs> 10 years ago to come to the racetrack but uh taking him to dinner in yeah vegas taking him to dinner in vegas yeah, yeah he, he does some crazy stuff but um uh but you know you got to have your drivers kind of switched on with that and it's kind of fun to see when they're really engaged they're really getting to know the people there at the racetrack and those people had a great experience and and that's really that's what trip the trigger with loves you know um, honestly i i don't think i don't know that loves today really believes that being on a nascar race car is is what we need to do but the experience the feedback they get from their customers the sales guys hear it all day long is man that 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 day we had atlanta was fantastic man thank you so much and and then hopefully they're they're buying product from loves for years to come so yeah. so we try to deliver on that experience side try to over deliver so um, it's not even really a tangible thing so yeah it's not it's a tangible like, it's not like oh we're gonna give you 500 appearances you yeah. know where somebody yeah. else would give them two you know you don't want to kill your driver doing that <laughs> but you know hey if we're there at the racetrack you know we're there so we might as well uh try to do something that's uh gonna gonna provide benefit for us uh long term and, and provide a great experience for those that are partners on our team jerry one of the reasons i always enjoyed talking to you is because again you candid about numbers and i was looking back at an interview i think from 2013 where at that point you were saying that the cars make I think roughly at that time, like and this was pre-charter, so I know a lot of things have changed in five years, but <laughs> maybe four million um, a piece, and then you kind of had you guys had to make up the rest with with sponsorship mm-hmm. when you factored in about what you were going to get from them. I guess to have a two-part question: What's the picture look like now with charters and and having the the revenue be a little bit more guaranteed in terms of the stability of of cash flow coming in? And then what did making the playoffs a couple of years ago, where you go from being Chris Buescher in a 30th place car to guaranteed being in the top 16 car. You know, and the numbers, and honestly, I mean, I, I couldn't even, without looking at spreadsheets, really tell you. But um, in in our new system, uh, you know, I think 2013 when we talked, you know, unless you were in the top five, you pretty much made the same amount of money. And mm-hmm. uh, and so in the the new system where you're you're kind of paid through, and I think it's been documented through a charter fixed fee through historical fee for your past performance and then also from how you race that day so numbers can vary greatly and they vary greatly with our cars based on their historical number or how they perform that day where we pretty much could plug in you know knowing what they would do so you know i like the new model because uh you know it does reward performance so uh you know instead of and it's dissuaded the start and park thing and all that if you want to make more money you got to go out there and earn it and uh and you can't just show up and run dead last and you make the same as the guy that worked his tail off and bought 10 sets of tires and finished, you know, 18. So I think it's a lot more fair. And, yeah, so the, the numbers are, are kind of very different depending on how you did each day and, and how the past performance for that particular car number are. So, um, But the other part there – tell me again. With the playoff. With the, uh, with the, yeah. oh, the playoffs. Making impact. the playoffs yeah, in yeah, 2016, yeah. I yeah. know that you, yeah. know, you finish top 16 versus 30th. That's got to be a huge yeah. benefit. Yeah, with, with the other question um, – regarding uh, uh, making the playoff. Yeah, that was super impactful. You know, not only did it put us in a place that, you know, we had a, a little bonus for making the playoffs that year or finishing top 16 in points, but it, it was kind of the gift that kept on giving because for in the historical payout, you know, it kind of elevated that car into a position that 
you know, it wasn't honestly going to finish that year. So, uh, so anyways, the, the historical part of that component that we got paid the next year and the following year and then the third year, too, is, uh, is continues to provide dividends. So um, really until, you know, we kind of get to the end of that cycle, which I, I think would be next year, you know, we could sit down and say, okay, well, if we had finished 30th in, in 2016, we would have made this, and instead we made that. So it was pretty big. You know, yeah. winning that race was <laughs> yeah. pretty daggone big. And, and uh, other than just winning the race, it, it, it really did pay off a lot. One of the other things uh, that we've seen change, obviously, is race sponsorship costs. I, I talked to you in a 2011 interview, and te- the, the big teams back then were probably asking, like, four to 500000 a race, like, seven or eight years mm-hmm. ago. And even then, like you said, it was, it was starting – to change and as you put it then you said you felt like the other side of the garage the top side was was coming back to the lower half what's it like now is it is it as competitive with the top teams for sponsors uh, you know are, are, are they asking for a little bit less for a race and making it a little bit more difficult for you where you guys have always prevent, presented probably more of a value than the top teams yeah uh you know it's always hard to tell what anybody else is doing you know and and uh i think especially when you get in season and you have an open race in two weeks uh, you see somebody had TBD on the entry blank and they showed up with somebody, I doubt that person paid $400,000 for that race. So, so it's, it's hard to tell uh, where some of the other folks are. Um, you know, uh, um, I really the only information I ever get is when our other sponsors get approached from somebody and, and they've, they've got a deck from somebody that says how much they're willing to. Does that happen uh, fairly often? Uh, occasionally, yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but um, and it's kind of nice that they'll share it with us so we kind of know where we stand. But, um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, as far as that goes, I mean, for us, it's, it's kind of remained flat, you know, kind of where we're at. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't want to sit here and say that, you know, the field's coming back to us with what they're getting per race, but I almost feel that's maybe the case. You know, I, I think every sponsorship is a huge challenge for everybody. And, um, you know, and, and the thing that kind of encourages me a lot and I think encourages Bob encourage Bob to take the plunge into putting more into the race team to raise the competitive level to whatever peak we could have this year are, are some of the changes that NASCAR is making mm-hmm. with with the sport kind of with the engine rules this year with with running the long box uh, two races over 13 events you know that drives down the cost of an engine program a bit and uh, so it put it in a place that yeah it's still pretty tough for front row to get to but you know, it's not as high as it used to be. So, you know, we swallowed hard and we, we decided to sign up for it. You know, with spec radiators, you know, we were spending $9,000 for a radiator in the past. Well, now a spec radiator is like, I don't know, a third of that somewhere. So, uh, um, you know, the pit guns. I know a lot of, lot of debate right. about the pit guns. I was going to ask you about and, this. And, yeah. uh, but in the long term, if somebody's spending, and not that front row was, but if somebody was spending a million bucks or several <laughs> sure. hundred thousand dollars in pit gun development. Which the top teams were. Yeah, like building their were. own guns, you guys aren't doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, and I think er, the, the whole sport's looking at the $20 million, $25, $40 million sponsorship levels, whatever they are that the big teams have. I think those days are, are kind of, they're, they're not in the foreseeable future. Right. So we got to take some cost out of this sport and figure out areas of the car that we're going to compete in and in other areas that we're going to spec out and and try to reduce this cost for some of these other for for everybody in the whole whole system. So uh, so for a team like ours that didn't have the big budget, and now we can go ahead. We don't have to compete on the pit guns. We don't have to compete on the cooling package with the car. Um, you, you know, 
and the engine package came down a little bit, you know, it, it kind of it, it creates a little more parity in various aspects of what we do and puts us in a place that we can have a more competitive product out there. Right. And uh, so I, I think given it to, to go with a long-winded answer to uh, where people's sponsorship uh, pricing is set right now, I think the whole industry is having to reset a bit because you're not able to get what you used to. And it was really becoming an arms race in every aspect of what we do. And, uh, and the disparity was showing up quite a bit on the racetrack. So, you know, I, I applaud NASCAR for, for taking some really hard, challenging steps. And, and yeah, we've, you know, had a little, had some hurdles for sure, and, and we'll have more. But um, in the long term, I, I think it'll make a, a better package on the racetrack, a more competitive package. And, uh, and better racing for the fans. Yeah, money's always going to buy speed, but yeah. maybe a little less money yeah. <laughs> gets you so much that that helps you guys just a little bit. One thing I did notice on the shop tour just now, Jerry, is a, a lot of teams bought their own optical scanning mm-hmm. station systems. Was that in your guys' budget? <laughs> yeah, Probably uh, not. Yeah, no. you missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Would that be in the future, or is that a bridge too far? For oh, you man. You know, my shop foreman and I were just talking about it this morning, Keith O'Toole, and, and uh, uh, you know, he was he was asking me, he said, do you think there's ever uh, uh, an optical scanning station or a future, maybe next year? And, and uh, uh, you know, I, I think we all kind of, well, I'll say we went into it thinking, yeah, we'll never need to have one of those. NASCAR's got one. We can go over there whenever we want. Sure. And, uh um, now, uh, uh, Roush Fenway has one, so we've been going over there utilizing theirs quite a bit. And, you know, what we're finding uh, with the cars, I think, because the tolerances are so incredibly tight on these cars, just scanning it when you're done, it's really too late. So, you know, you really need to scan it multiple times through huh. the build process. So, Interesting. Um, so you can't just save it all and just go to Roush at the end and see if yeah, it works out. You yeah, have to do I it mean, if you do and, and you screwed up, uh, first thing you did to attach the body, if you screwed that up, then the whole car screwed up. You huh. know? So you really, you got to, from the time you put the body on, you got to go scan it. Yeah. Then you roll it over the finish fab, let them do their thing, then you go scan it. Then you run it through paint and body, then you go scan it. And uh, <laughs> then you set it up and... And then hopefully maybe scan it one more time. And I think that's what the bigger teams are doing. And then they're 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 trying to figure out, you know, how how we can, you know, try to get a little bit more out of the, what little wiggle room we got in the rules to advance this area of the car or whatever. And and, and so, anyways, it's just it's turning into just multiple uh, times that we're having to go over there and scan cars. And and for us, there's no way we could do that four times. We did it before Daytona, and just because we had the time, but. Uh, now we're trying to figure out how we can scan them twice uh, right. before we take them to the racetrack. So to just get in line at NASCAR with theirs, with everybody else who doesn't have one, and, and try to do each car two times before every race, that's just not going to happen. So thank goodness we have this relationship with Roush, and they bought one. But, you know, the challenge for us, they're also an hour away from us. So sure. it's a lot of trucking back and forth. and. Our poor old guy that, that drives the truck, he's, uh, he's about worn out. I, I don't see it ever breaking for him, you know. And Talk about a guy who's tired of I-77 traffic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no <laughs> doubt. There's no doubt. And, and anybody listening, our truck driver is Shorty Edwards, who's been in racing forever and was a tire guy for Junior Johnson's team in the past. So we've been wearing poor Shorty out. we got to give him a break. <laughs> I've heard numbers like around three or 400000 for an optical scanning station. Is that, I've, have you guys ever that, priced it? I've yeah, heard okay. that, too. I've heard on the lower end of what you said, but, okay. but I don't know. I mean, I obviously haven't called to get a quote, but, um, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, 
you know, it, it's looking like maybe a necessary evil, you yeah. know, down the road. And um, I think if you're really going to try to optimize the car through each step of what you do, that might be the way to go. But, um, you know, uh, so far we're, we're just going to do it uh, leaning on our friends at Roush and, and going to NASCAR from time to time, too. One more business question for you. You guys have two cars, Jerry, but you have a third charter? We do. I think. Okay. And, we do. And that's leased right now? Leased to TriStar. To TriStar. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so we've got, you know, we had an opportunity last year to acquire another charter. And um, and so we actually have been talking to the folks at TriStar. Um, uh, Mark Smith, who passed away last year, has been a, just a great friend of ours over the years and, and his whole family with Kathy and Brian. And, and uh, so they had a desire to step up and go cup racing. They had kind of talked to us about, um, you know, would we be interested in wanting to lease one of our two charters? And we weren't. But, um, uh, you know, and I was... You know, kind of keeping my ear open if somebody had one to lease and then um, you know we had the opportunity to buy another one and thought well it might be a good little thing to have for the future you know to grow front row if uh, Ford was really pushing us to run three cars or you know somebody came along and, and and there was really great reason to do it in the meantime we could lease one to uh, uh, TriStar um, you know but you can't do that forever you know with the way the rules are set up you can lease a charter one time and uh, so we've had to lease one charter and then lease another charter and can't do that forever like i said so we'll have to make a decision either we gotta operate ourselves or maybe look to to sell it and maybe we sell it to tristar someday i don't know but um yeah uh but it, it kind of it just puts us in a position you know bob's a guy that um you know he's pretty shrewd pretty savvy self-made guy and and uh kind of this way too you know he really believes in the charter system and so when that came along and he had the opportunity to position himself to grow his operation and the rules are set up that you can you can lease them to other entities then uh you know even though we weren't in a position to run three cars and we're still not today you know it's kind of nice to have in your pocket just in case uh you know something came along that was just phenomenal and we needed one yeah so you've got that option to expand if not next season even maybe a season or two after that you can kind of play around with a little bit so we talked a lot about the team i want to finish up by just talking a little about you someone with a very discriminating eye noticed (laughs) on your linkedin profile that you once owned a landscaping business I did. in Northern Virginia? I did. How does That's a guy right. who had a landscaping business in Northern Virginia end up <laughs> in the Charlotte area winning a cup team? Well, that's a that's a good one. I mean, it's a odd evolution I had, but but I think uh, you know, kind of organic in a way. My my dad was really into racing when I was a kid, and uh, my dad was an auto mechanic, and he raced locally at a drag car. Um, he he helped a guy with a, a stock car, and uh, and my fondest memories as a little boy. Well, being 8, 9, 10, 11 years old was every Friday night going to Bellsville Speedway and every Saturday night going to Old Dominion Speedway in Manassas, Virginia. And, uh, and we'd go race, and I'd hide in the floor of the truck along with these two other kids that were <laughs> with the guy that owned the car, uh, uh, and we'd sneak in, and then we'd just help and do whatever. And, and I had the racing bug at a young age and, and, uh, and really fostered from my dad's passion about cars and working on cars. But he was never uh, – any, any big thing in NASCAR and money got a little tighter and, and our, all our racing stuff kind of went away. And, and I never really was a car guy, you know, I never right. had any crazy dream to be a driver or anything like that. And sure. And I wasn't a you know, guy that souped up my own car. I drove a 75 Fiat X19 and I still, I, I love NASCAR. I love the sport. I love the drivers. I loved everything about it. And, and then kind of my age, you know, sponsorship was kind of getting big and the, the business side always intrigued me. And I went through school and Kind of got hooked up with this guy that was uh, selling agricultural materials to uh, golf courses and things, and and uh, started working for him on the sales side. 
uh, got to understand that business a little bit. Got an opportunity to buy a, a lawn care franchise. It was called Lawn Doctor in, in Northern Virginia and uh, did that for a while and did really good and uh, uh, sold that. Um, but I was always passionate about NASCAR, huh. just passionate about it. I had some friends that worked in the business. They would get me passes to races and and I, I thought I knew everything about it. And, uh, uh, but when I sold my business, had a little bit of money, moved my family down here and just thought, I'm going to get a job in racing. This and was what, 20 years ago? Yeah, 20, 24 years ago. So okay. knocked on a lot of doors. Um, the, the first person that, that really gave me a shot, and I think it was only because he was from Northern Virginia too, was Tad Geschichter. And uh, he had just started his team. I think he was in his second year. Uh, had Jeff Fuller driving for him with Sunoco sponsoring it. And, uh, and it was really kind of like an internship, but – it was fantastic and you know he's just so gifted in on the marketing business side and and really understands that part probably better than anybody in the sport still today and you know and just watching him i realized i knew nothing about the business side of racing like i thought but i, I did know the operations side from running my own business of of having you know 20 some people work for me and and trying to pay bills and all that and so i kind of took the business acumen i had and tried to help tad with his startup team here while he was out trying to sell sponsorship and so it was great to kind of get my feet wet and see how the business side of racing ran actually do some stuff to operate the or execute the operations side of the business while and then watch him sell sponsorship and help him create a deck or help him make a pitch and and so it was just absolutely fantastic experience for me and it, and but it got to a point that you know I was gonna have to get a real job at some point because I was just blowing through my savings and Tad uh, had gone to school with some guys on the business side at, at Petty Enterprises, and they were looking for a guy to come in and, and kind of help on the operations side of what they were doing and, and uh, kind of coordinate some stuff between uh, the Level Cross shop and the truck team and Kyle's team and Concord. And, and so I, I know Tad put in a really good word for me, and uh, they gave me a shot, and, and I had a great job with the Petties for 12 years after that. So, um, uh, but that's kind of how it all evolved. You know, I, I didn't um, – I just took a passion for racing, like I, I think everybody has, and uh, I just wanted to be in it, but I didn't know how to work on a car. I certainly didn't know how to drive them, and <laughs> I just tried to take what I knew, which was how to run a small business and apply it to, and that's what I've done ever since. I'm, I'm doing the same thing today that I was doing really with Tad. I was paying bills. I was getting people to the racetrack. I was taking care of travel problems, just whatever problems you had. You know, I was just trying to take that burden off of somebody. And, sure. And that's what I did at the Petties, and that's what I do for Bob. Yeah, as much as racing is a, a sport, it's also very much a business, maybe really as much is. as any other professional sport, mm -hmm. maybe more so. And that, that would certainly, that background would certainly help you. But for a kid who watched races at Manassas, yeah. I mean, getting to work for the King, and you were there when it was it was really Petty Enterprises, yeah. uh, right yeah. up until, what, the end there in, in 2008. What are your best stories, I guess, working <laughs> with the King? I'm sure you have a few. I mean, I got a ton of them, but... Uh, <laughs> How many can you tell, yeah, I guess, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it was the coolest thing, and I came at such a good time in uh, 1997, 98. You know, things were really going good then, mm -hmm. and... Uh, uh, Bobby uh, had won a race at Rockingham, I think, when I was first there. And then um, Bobby moved on, and, and John started driving for us. And, and John won the next year at Martinsville. And, you know, and, and Jimmy Jensley was driving the truck, and things were going good. And, you know, Robbie was the crew chief. E everything was 
uh, going just in a great direction. And, and Adam was coming up as a driver, and, and we all had a lot of enthusiasm around Adam, and he was just an infectious personality. And, you know, and I got really fortunate that I came along right when Adam started racing. And so, you know, I was kind of doing travel and, and uh, helping Robbie with spreadsheets and different things, just mundane tasks around the place when I first got there. But um, when, when Adam started racing and we were, Adam was racing out on the um, ASA series, and then uh, Kyle and Adam were going to start a team uh, in Thomasville. So, um, you know, I got the opportunity to go over there and, and help start that team back up, or start that team up with uh, Chris Hussey, who was the crew chief. And, and that was just a fantastic experience. And I got like three guys working for me right here that were all a part of that startup that we had over there. And I've kind of been with those guys and a core group of guys from Petty's on to here. So, you know, I, I've really been blessed to have a good group of people to work with. And, um, you know, as far as a great story, you know, I, I don't know. There's so many of them. I'll tell you one good story. This is a good one. Uh, when uh, Lee Petty was alive, Mr. Petty, he was he was really cantankerous, you know, and and, uh, uh, and he'd only come in the shop when he needed something fixed on his lawnmower. And, and uh, <laughs> so he comes rolling in there one day and we'd raced at Michigan and we were terrible, finished 28th or 30th or something. And Robbie had all his notes laid out on the on the workbench there. And so Mr. Petty walks up and Robbie's organizing all his notes from the race. And and uh and mr petty says what's that and robbie says uh he said well that's my notes he said i'd like to get them all in order you know from friday to saturday to sunday so that you know when we go back to michigan the next time you know i i can go back and you know it's before we put everything on a server or anything <laughs> and uh and so uh mr petty says boy where'd you finish yesterday and he said uh he said oh about 29 sir and and Lee Petty just takes his arm, just swoops across the table and throws all those papers in the trash. And Robbie must have had 20 papers there. And Robbie's just freaking out. And he says, the way you ran, you ain't going to need any of them damn papers next time. And, yeah. and uh, I just laughed so hard. And, and uh, But we had a lot of crazy stuff like that going on. I mean, just the characters of Kyle and sure. and, uh, and Dale and Richie Bars and and uh you know just so many of them uh there and robbie too i mean there's just a, a lot of great memories that i have there and yeah. it, it was and it was crazy for a kid that was just eating up with racing going to old dominion speedway every saturday night to be working there in richard petty's shop and and it was something else for me did i hear that uh sometimes you were responsible for getting richard and dale in then to uh <laughs> the airport after races and you were sort of the getaway driver who <laughs> figured out how to get the king to the, the plane the quickest yeah, yeah. yeah well you know and i'm not the only one um you know there's some guys jeff dennison's probably got twenty thousand more stories than i got but, yeah jeff's um, got a few <laughs> yeah but uh but yeah yeah that definitely um the ones that are most memorable is when you got Richard and Kyle in the car at the same time. And, uh, <laughs> and so my, uh, my one that uh, I tell a lot is we're leaving Pocono and, uh, you know, you come out of the tunnel and you can go left or right. And I think we're going to Wilkes-Barre. And so me and Kyle, we used to have a thing where on Saturday afternoon after practice, we would go and just get in a rental car and we would just drive some back route, you know, and you know, with Kyle with the charity, ride, He loves planning a route. And, oh yeah. And so we had our paper maps and we'd spend two hours driving back and forth to an airport on Saturday afternoon, just to find the quickest way that nobody <laughs> knew how to get somewhere. So me and Kyle had planned out this ride from Pocono back to Wilkes-Barre on Saturday afternoon. And so I'm driving. I gave Kyle my paper. Kyle's going to navigate. I think Richard was sitting right in between us in the front seat of some bench seat Cadillac or something. And uh, so we're driving through the tunnel, and I'm like in the right lane, and Richard just points left. And and so I'm like, oh, man, this isn't the way, you know. And, and, and Kyle's like, no, 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 we're going to go right. 
the king just points left. <laughs> Doesn't say a word. You know, Kyle, you know, Kyle, you know, and he's he's yelling at the king. No, no, we planned this out. We're going here. Da, 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 da. And we get to where I got turned, man. I'm like sweating because they are just having this big fight over which way we're going to go. Right. And I thought the only thing I could think of was it is the king's airplane. I'm going left. <laughs> so I didn't care how much we had planned that trip out. But um, uh, but, man, we, we had some that was for me everything else you had going on the weekend the most stressful part was that part if especially if i had to drive any of those guys so when the king pointed left did you get there as quick as the carefully mapped out route that you and kyle <laughs> i think so i don't <laughs> think it was any big deal of course in kyle's mind you know we were oh, yeah we were running yeah. uh hour late someone told me apparently the king is not your only brush with greatness you actually <laughs> went to high school with sandra bullock oh that's actress? true that's okay. true i don't know where you got that from okay i did now she's not my, she's a year behind me oh okay all right and uh uh, and I won't swear I was great friends with her, but my sister was really good friends with her. Really? And my sister, you're younger than me too. And, and so they were on the soccer team together and we used to work at a place, uh, called Virginia Mortgage and Investments after school, a bunch of us that went to school there. We were all part of the cleaning crew. So I was a trash man. Um, I picked up garbage and, uh, uh, Sandra Bullock dusted tables. Uh, my okay. other buddies mopped and, and my sister dusted tables too. And, uh, so that was our little after school job. So, you know, I, I you know, I, I had a little brush of greatness then had zero idea that she was ever going to be an actress. I, I, I can't even remember ever being in a school play, but I think she might've been, but, um, she was just a, a regular person. I think like the rest of us and huh. and i remember having a, a a real good personality and and uh and a pretty good soccer player as i remember and and uh but i i lost track she went to east carolina and you know we stayed home and and uh i didn't really know anything about her until one day my buddy wade calls me and says hey man can you believe sandy bullock's on this tv show on wednesday nights and <laughs> and uh i said sandy bullock from high school and he said yeah and you know and like a year later she's in a Big time movie with Sylvester Speed, Sloan, yeah, know, and then yeah. Speed and all yeah. that. So, uh, so yeah, I've I've never never crossed paths with her ever since. But I, I do okay. have some friends that still keep up with her. Anyways, yeah, we went to the same high school, Washington Lee High School in Arlington, Virginia. All right. Well, knowing the King and knowing Sandy, as you call her, yeah, that's, that's uh, big. That's yeah, that's huge. Um, <laughs> last one for you, and this is suggested by a listener, the guy who suggested you be on here, actually, Joey Denowitz. <laughs> Should give him a shout out because he's a big supporter of the podcast. He reminded me of this, and I had forgotten it because I, I think Dennison had told me about it a few times that like you're really into <laughs> cycling and you're you're on I the am. bike a lot, and it's it must amuse you now that the last couple of years every driver in the Cup Series is caught on what you already yeah. knew for like years and years. Yeah. But did you did I hear did you once ride all the way to like Martinsville? Oh from, yeah yeah oh, yeah. Okay. I've done that a bunch of times. So from I, here from like well Statesville? not from Statesville. Oh, okay. Um, I live in Winston Salem. <laughs> okay. So I've not a, quite a little far. more reasonable. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's still like how many miles? It's like sixty-five miles. Though. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and you got to go. It's some serious climbing now, um, <laughs> real climbing too. So it's not an easy sixty-five by any stretch. But um, yeah, no, I've done it several times. I did it last year, last spring, and uh, you know, I I, I got to plan out the weather. I'm not one to ride in the super cold and rain, but um, I haven't been riding a lot. Um, you know, I, I, one thing thinking about the drivers and everything that are all into it now. Um, you know, and I don't really have any real drivers that I hang out with and ride. I used to with Bobby Labonte a lot, and um, when he drove for the Petties, and and uh, and Bobby's got a charity ride we ride in every year. But um, uh, Josh Wise, when he drove for us here at Front Row, 
uh, Josh was really just getting into oh, the whole right. fitness craze, yeah. and this is you know five six years ago. And um, he's like an accomplished triathlete. He right? he is yeah. super accomplished. I mean, <laughs> but I can remember Josh bringing his bike here, and I used to bring my bike. Um, I still bring my bike here on a nice day, and I got a little path I do 15 miles at lunchtime, and and so Josh wanted to ride with me one day, and so he got this bike from Scott Speed, and, and it was a road bike, and he hadn't really shifted the gears before, and I'm kind of showing him how it all works, and. He wanted to go and he was going to follow me and then we brought our bikes to michigan and we rode back from the track back to the hotel in ann arbor one day and and uh it was just so funny because josh was so new to it and like within two years all of a sudden he's like this master triathlete going to europe and doing these things and and he's so far exceeded me so quickly it's it's not even funny but josh is is super super fit and uh and i think you know he's got a job now with uh uh, helping train the drivers and doing stuff with Ganassi and and uh, he's a great guy but um but we had a lot of good fun rides together too have you ridden like with the Jimmy Johnson group I have the other ones okay. I, haven't. Right, so I don't haven't. I don't really ride with those guys um I generally just go to the racetrack on race day and unless we got a real good reason I'll go the whole weekend but um gotcha so I don't drag my bike along but um yeah I, I don't ride with that crowd but um the thing I'm getting into is new is um new to me anyway is called gravel biking and you get a road bike that you can ride on trails got a little wider tires and better brakes on them and i got a gravel bike last fall and i've been riding the crap out of it around home and uh you can ride like horseback riding trails and and uh and some you know more natural surfaces and it gets you off the highway a little bit and it's just so much fun an older guy like me that just struggles to keep up with uh, <laughs> these young guys you know it, it's really a great change of pace so um I've really enjoyed that. So I'm hoping to do, there's some events uh, in the mountains in North Carolina through the spring and the summer, and I'm hoping to do a few of those this year. Is it as much physical rejuvenation, not just for you, but for the drivers to do it as, as mental? It seems like maybe it's a, a good way to sort of refocus. Yeah, and reset yeah, yourself. I think so. Yeah. I mean, the mental part, golly, it's huge. You know, yeah. I, I solve so many problems on a bike ride. It's not even funny. And it just changes my whole frame of mind and and uh i really haven't ridden much in the last month just with the weather being so crappy and us being gone all the time and it just changes my whole mental outlook on things and and when i'm riding consistently i got a group i ride with every tuesday night and thursday night and we'll start back up when the time changes here so i'm really looking forward to that and but it just improves my whole way of life you know you eat better you sleep better just everything is is i attribute to is just trying to stay fit on a bike and um, so, and I like the camaraderie with the guys and, and, um, you know, and I've, I've just gotten, I'm 54 years old. I'm, I'm past the point that I just want to be the fastest guy on Tuesday night, you know, and I just, <laughs> I'm just going to settle in and, and, uh, just ride with buddies I like and, and, uh, um, and maybe do the, the gravel bike riding a little bit on the side too. And, and, um, but it's, it's just fun. It's a good, good little break. And, um, uh, but there's, you know, in the, the aerobic benefits are humongous and, uh, uh, you know, I think it's a great way to stay in shape. Thank you for being here, Jerry, and, and doing this podcast. Really enjoyed this conversation. Sure. Really appreciate you My sitting down and taking some time out here at the shop. I uh, just want to remind everybody the NASCAR NBC podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, pretty much anywhere you download podcasts, you can find this one. Uh, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that really helps us out in spreading the word. Or if you prefer, just, just tell friends you like what you're hearing and encourage them to subscribe as well. And if you have any feedback, you can send it to me on Twitter at 8Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. 